You're listening to Motherhood Unstressed, the podcast that talks all about the realities of being a mom in today's world, but also gives you practical takeaways for making the ride as fun and stress-free as possible. The way we live life is an art. I'm here to remind you of the power you already have to create a truly beautiful life. And if you like what you hear, if it resonates with you, please don't hesitate to leave a five-star review. This helps us get the message out to more and more women and help more and more moms. Thanks. In this episode of Motherhood Unstressed, I interview Morgan McCallan. Morgan is a wife, mom, and registered nurse. She describes her heart-wrenching experience losing her daughter Melee to stillbirth four years ago. Her example of grace and calm in the face of every mother's worst nightmare shines a light for us all, whether affected by infant loss or not. It was an absolute honor to record this episode. Morgan is the epitome of strength, hope, and resilience in the face of unspeakable tragedy. Well, today, guys, um, we have a very special guest on the show, and she's here to talk about an issue that I honestly was a little hesitant to talk about because it is such a painful issue um, and it's kind of scary and it's, you know, uncomfortable to talk about, but I think um, it's necessary and I think that it's important and it's more widespread than, you know, we know. Um, and so today I'm honored to have Morgan McKellen on the show um, to talk about the very difficult topic of infant loss and resilience in the face of that. So thank you so much for being here, Morgan. Um, we're honored to have you here. Um, welcome to the show. All right, thank you for having me. So just to kind of give you guys a background um, about how we met, we met years and years ago um, through our husband's friendship. And you guys have been in Florida, I think almost the entire time. Um, yeah. We kind of connected over Facebook after we first met and I've kind of just followed your family's growth through the years and kind of touched back in, you know, in and out there. Um, so why don't you kind of give the audience more of a background about yourself and your story? Sure. Well, I grew up in, you know, Pelham, Alabama, in kind of a simple lifestyle, just very stable home, very fun upbringing, pretty normal, you know, really had the same kind of, you know, goals in life that you would think most normal people would be, except that had this dream of becoming a dolphin trainer and doing <laughs> so I started pursuing that like at the ripe age of like four so that's ultimately kind of where we ended up in Florida for um I kind of knew my husband from high school we went to high school together but we didn't really interact because he was a little bit older than me mm -hmm. so we started dating about 15 years ago after we were both in college and just hit it off right from the bat you know Knew it was kind of going to be a forever thing and got married three years later. Um, shortly after we got married, we moved to Florida and I did start pursuing, you know, a field in marine biology, working with dolphins. My dreams were coming true. Mm. Having, you know, the most perfect life, I thought. <laughs> mm. And really saw myself kind of doing that for a while. Um, we always knew we wanted children. We always knew we wanted to expand our family. Um, I'm a planner, so everything I like to to kind of plan out, so I kind of know when things are going to happen and how they're going to happen. So it just makes me feel like I'm maximizing my time. <laughs> so I always yeah. kind of we were going to go that route. Um, so when I got, you know, we made that decision. It took us about two years 
really before our first child was born, before Harper was born. It was a, a long journey, kind of stressful. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when she was here, you know, becoming a mom, just it changes you. It changes everything about who you are, what you think, how you feel. It's the most raw emotion you can ever imagine. I know you can <laughs> probably agree with that, Lizzie. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I knew we were going to have another one. Like I just was like, okay, in, you know, 3.5 years, I want another child. <laughs> me planning. Um, and then at that point I was like, I just want to be a stay at home mom. I don't want to work anymore. I just want to enjoy these children while they're little. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of on that path. I had gone down to only working part-time just to kind of slowly start backing out of my role as a, you know, part-time worker and just kind of get to that stay at home mom point. And then we had kind of a surprise. <laughs> um, in November, 2013, I found out I was pregnant and I was shocked. I was not expecting it. We had not planned it. Baby, <laughs> um, a little earlier than I had quote planned. Right. But we were so excited. It just felt right. It felt like from the beginning when we found out we were pregnant, even though it had not been planned that that baby was meant to be so Mm -hmm. everything had been going well you know and kind of midway through that's when pretty much our lives changed um so I can get into the what happened after that if you had any other questions before no no this is you know go ahead this is for you to share your story yeah so a lot of people kind of want to know when did you find out something was wrong um you know, and it was, at a, you know, really not until the day before everything happened. Um, with my pregnancies, my OB is wonderful. She does lots of ultrasounds just so you can see your baby. And I had found out um, she was a girl at 14 weeks because we had just a fun gender ultrasound. I had seen her again at like 17 weeks. She was perfect then. And then I had my anatomy scan at 21 weeks. And she was beautiful. She was kicking and squirming and just giving the ultrasound tech a hard time. You know, (laughs) it was just so active. Um, Everything felt perfect. And we were just like, you know, yeah, just thrilled. We had her name picked out very early on of Maylee. I just loved it. The second I heard it, Um, Mm. we had her closet stocked with all her sister's clothes. I had washed them and hung them up. I had immediately gone out and started shopping for little girl matching sister sets. Cause that just seemed so exciting to me. Mm. Once I found out we were going to have two girls. So it was just, you know, one of those days where everything felt perfect and as it meant to be, you know, and then life has a way of throwing you a curveball. And it's just, I quickly learned that it's your response to those curveballs that can dictate how well you handle situations. So it's kind of what I try to live by these days, mm-hmm. but um, kind of leading into what happened next, the, you know, what made me know something was wrong. Um, you know, I never saw myself as a mom of a, a child that I lost. I never, you can never prepare yourself to be that person. Um, so I'm still learning what that means, but I had noticed Maylee wasn't moving as much. It like, you know, I just kind of was like, did I feel her today? Did I feel mm-hmm. her moving? I had felt her moving and kicking for months at that point. So 
at 22 weeks and six days, I called my doctor that morning and I was like, I don't feel her moving. And I was in a panic. Mm-hmm. Woke up with the heaviest weight on my heart and this a sick feeling down in the pit of my stomach that something wasn't right. Wow. So she got on the phone, tried to reassure me, oh, you, they're so little at this point. You can't feel them move all the time at this point. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. I, I need to come in. So I came in and had a scheduled ultrasound that morning. And the ultrasound tech who had ultrasounded Harper the whole time, I knew her well, was trying to be, you know, lighthearted and reassuring. But 30 seconds in, you could tell something was wrong. Um, You know, the ultrasound looked just like my sweet girl's little profile that I had seen just 10 days prior at her anatomy scan where she was perfect, except she wasn't moving. She was just sitting there and the technician said, you know, I'm so sorry, but you're right. She's gone. And it was just at that point even though I kind of knew mm-hmm. that was likely what was going to be the case. It just, you know, you can't prepare yourself for those words. You really can't. So you kind of feel like you're in this little whirlwind of sinking emotions at that point of like, what, what happens? Like what even happens at this point? I don't even know. I have never researched this. I've never read about this. I've never heard about this, you know? Um, so really instinct took over at that point. Mm. Yeah. And so and was Will there? He was not there. He was at work. Um, so I was all by myself. Didn't help oh, the no. situation any. Um, and I was given some choices at that point. Really not choices because there's not, there was only one choice given to me. Um, in, even though I had no background in researching the topic of infant loss or anything, um, I kind of knew what I was going to do. Somehow I just knew in my heart what I would do. Like at that moment, even though my doctor was trying to kind of explain to me the medical side of how far along I was and what that meant for, you know, delivery, she, you know, she didn't even have to explain to me that, that, that delivering was my only option because that's the only mm-hmm. option I wanted. Wow. Uh, because Maylee was, you know, already almost 23 weeks along Um, My only choice was to be induced and labor and deliver her just like I would any other baby. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. And that seems terrifying to many people who try to imagine that from the outside perspective. Like, how could anybody deliver a baby that's never going to cry? Like, why would you do that to yourself? Like, why would you not just have the procedures done to take her out or a Mm -hmm. C-section? And ultimately, it's just safer for me to just have to deliver her. Um, she's too big to do what people call a DNC for miscarriages. Um, delivery was really the only option. And at that moment it felt right. Cause I was like, you know, there's one thing I can do right now that I know how to do. I don't know how to cope with a, a child that's no longer alive, but I do know how to deliver a baby. I've done that before and I know what that means and I know how to do it. And I can give her that dignity, you know? So that was, fine with me. I was not overwhelmed by the idea of being induced and delivering. It was, it felt right. Mm -hmm. So I went ahead and scheduled to come in the next morning, um, for that whole process to start. Oh, wow. (laughs) And called the family and kind of rallied everybody together and tried to explain what was happening. But there was a lot of misunderstandings. I realized after the people still did not understand what it meant to, you know, have a late loss like this and to be pregnant with this baby still and to somehow have to deliver her. That was a very confusing process for a lot of people. 
Yeah. I mean, I think in the case, like you said, no one, if you're not preparing for this, of course you wouldn't prepare for this. You would just wouldn't know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so I had thought I had been very direct in telling people, okay, this is what I'm having to do. I have to go to the hospital. I have to be induced. I have to deliver her. Um, And, you know, I got the hospital at 4 a.m. And by 8 a.m., I was receiving text messages from friends and family trying to be supportive. And I I truly appreciate it. But they'd be like, well, is the procedure done? Right. You know, comments like that. Well, is she here yet? And I'm like, well, no, I'm in labor. (laughs) Right. Long time. Um, So it kind of bothered me at first because I was like, people really don't understand what I'm going through right now. They don't understand what I'm doing at this moment. So I kind of, I kind of put my phone to the side at that point. Cause I was like, I have a job to do. I need to focus mm-hmm. on the moment and I want to be in this moment because this is the only one I'm going to get with her. So, you know, 12 hours in the labor, you know, she was finally born. Um, it was just me and Will in the room and our doctor and my nurse. And it was a, you know, one of those moments you can't prepare for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it was much later on, you had posted a picture uh, with her. Mm-hmm. And it, the second I saw that picture, I, I felt such a connection to you and such empathy for you. And just, you know, as a mother, you can't imagine that moment and, and to see that and to have you be brave enough to put it out there and to say, you know, this is what's happening and I'm here. And, and, and at the same moment, as, as heart-wrenching as that is, you still looked so peaceful and so loving. Um, and I felt it came across in the picture instantly. Yeah. And so I, it touched me and I know it touched, you know, tons and tons of others who witnessed that. Yeah. I have a lot of people who reach out kind of privately about their experiences and stuff and how they wish things had been different. Um, so I try to be very open about what happened and very detailed about it. And there's really nothing ever off limits with me and talking about it because I think the way I handled it made it easier for me. And I hear stories where other people did things differently, like where they didn't see the baby or this and that, and they are haunted by it. So mm-hmm. um, if anybody can be more prepared for this situation, if they end up experiencing it or if a family member does, maybe they will kind of hear some of, you know, shed some light on from what I went through and kind of more what is the norm to, to go through. Obviously, each situation is individualized. Um, people lose babies early on and people lose babies after birth, um, even though they were full term. And there, there is no golden standard. <laughs> you know, it's just you have to be just prepared to go with the flow and just let yourself be in that moment. Um, and there is no right way to feel. There is no, you're too emotional for what happened. You know, um, every situation has a certain level of trauma behind it and you know, how you're affected by it. There is no wrong way, you know, and letting yourself do what you feel is right for you in that situation, no matter what the circumstances and not comparing it to other people. Um, you know, I did have a sense of, you know, like I didn't want to be compared to miscarriages or I didn't want to be compared to, um, you know, a, a baby that died after they were born. Cause I just was like, no, this is my experience. And it was, you know, kind of an irrational thought because regardless of when you lose your baby, um, the feelings are ultimately the same. 
um, there might be a different level of trauma behind it, of the experience that you had to go through. But the ultimate emotions in the end are the same. You have to learn to love that baby that's not physically with you anymore. And that's challenging because you still feel like a mom. You still feel like a mom to that child. And they're not there. So you have to kind of learn a new normal of living and having that feeling constantly of you think about this baby. They're a part of your life every day, um, but they're not there. So there's a challenge behind that. Um, I know a lot of people ask me more specifics about the delivery and the aftermath. And I'm always open to talk about it because, you know, I think it brings home more of what helped me heal and kind of cope with the process. Um, you know, after Melee was born, I did ask them to take her away just so I could get my thoughts together, just kind of get over the, the immediate trauma of her being born without crying. Cause that is hard. That silence mm -hmm. is weird when there's, there's no crying afterwards. So, you know, five or 10 minutes later, the nurse and my doctor brought her in and they had her dressed in a beautiful little gown meant for babies like her that were not, you know, going to go home with their mamas. And they had her wrapped in an Afghan. My mother-in-law had knitted for hmm. her on the way down to the hospital. She was busy knitting away <laughs> so that this baby would have something special to be wrapped in. So they brought uh -huh. me and they were trying to prepare me for what she looked like because she was very little. She's 23 weeks, you know, they're, they're very tiny at that point. Um, she was just about a pound, so she was pretty small. But my first gut reaction, I think, caught everybody kind of off guard. I was like, oh, my God, she's perfect. Like, Aww. she's perfect. Like, she looks like a baby. She looks like my other daughter. Like, you know, I wasn't prepared to, to feel like, oh, well, she's just small. Like, her nose is perfect. Her mouth is perfect. Her hands are perfect. She has little toenails, little ears. So I want to reassure any mom that may be going through this is that, of course, there may be signs that your baby is no longer with you um, when they're born still like this. But ultimately, you overlook all of that and you just see your beautiful baby right there. And I spent the time hugging her and kissing her and holding her little toes because I knew I'd never see them again. So I tried to maximize like every little detail of her body. And we had the now I Lay Me Down to Sleep Foundation come in, which you may have heard of. Um, and they offer to do free photography sessions for parents and families um, that have lost their babies. So that oh, wow. I had lots of pictures taken with her. So I always have those memories because you're going from that moment of seeing your child for the first time, which at any delivery is always that moment of anticipation. Um, I had the same thing. And then you see her and you're like, oh, they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. But then you have to prepare yourself to say goodbye at that same moment. And that's where it gets starkly different. You know, you have to start preparing yourself one moment to the next instantaneously to say goodbye, to, to prepare yourself to soak up every moment you have with them. Um, and I came prepared. I had little clay to make handprints and footprints with. I had the photographers, you know, come in. I took my own pictures. So... I felt like I, I did the best I could um, to kind of soak up that moment. I spent about four hours holding her and just enjoying that time before, you know, we sent her away with the nurses. So, you know, <laughs> beautiful in its own right. You know, you have to find the beauty in that moment because 
it's your child. It's your child, regardless of the circumstances around it, regardless that they're no longer living, you will still feel the love for that child the same way. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And being able to deliver her and being able to hold her, I felt like I was giving her a dignified death, you know, and that word is hard to say, but it is what it is. You know, that was the, my last act I could do as her mother. And I mm-hmm. enjoyed in a way, being able to have that with her. I mean, I couldn't change the fact that she was gone, but I could control how I handled it ultimately. That's amazing. amazing. Like, I mean, I just got chills just from that, you know, last part alone. I mean, I can't imagine going through that, obviously, and then to go through it with such grace like you did and such, you know, having a bigger picture of what had happened and what you wanted to give to her as, you know, your last gift to her. I mean, I think that that's, most people aren't like that, Morgan. I mean, that's not the gut reaction, you know, that most people go to. Most people fall apart and they can't function and they, and they lose it. And you, I mean, you just, I'm, I'm just in amazement of, of how you handled yourself and how you continue to handle yourself about the situation and being a voice for moms who, have gone through this or maybe going through this right now, or, you know, someone who hears this in a year or two who had, who this just has happened to. Um, and so I think that's really important to, to be a light, to shine in the darkness, because this is one of the darkest things that can happen to a woman, to a mother. Um, and so for you to, to be able to sit with it and to sit with that pain and, and, and doing that, you heal yourself and you heal others. I think that that is, that is, an amazing feat. And so, um, wow. I guess my next question is, um, you know, how did you not fall into despair? How did you not just fall apart and, and just kind of give up because everyone would have understood if you had done that. I mean, no one would have judged you for that. I know. I feel like a lot of people are just like, you know, you just kind of, and that's where I hear a lot of people reaching out to me there. You just made sense of the circumstances and you, you moved forward with the circumstances. Um, and I just kind of leave it at, you know, I have a lot of faith in, you know, a plan that's provided for you. And I had my own plans, but this little girl quickly came in and showed me that life isn't about my plans. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I feel like every baby is given to you and they have purpose. It doesn't matter if they live eight weeks, 10 weeks, two months after delivery, it doesn't matter. They have purpose and you have to feel that purpose and let it kind of consume you and direct you. Um, I remember when I was in labor with Maylee, I was kind of, you know, in the moment I was in a fog, you know, it's traumatic. I was, you know, hot mess during the whole process. Of course. Uh, But I did feel a sense of peace and, um, okay, this is something I have to do and I'm going to do it. So I just, one foot in front of the other, but my husband, Will, was sitting there watching the nurse kind of come in and care for me and do all the things she had to do, you know, get the induction process started. And at some point he just was like looking at her and he's like, you know, I can see you doing this. Hmm. Um, And at that moment, it meant nothing to me. I was in labor. I was in pain. I was upset. I didn't really take any weight to it at that point because I had thought about nursing, um, in the past, but it seemed so unobtainable to me because I was like, oh, that's really hard. I'm not smart <laughs> enough to <laughs> do that kind of stuff. I'm good with my plan to be a stay-at-home mom. You know, that's too hard for me right now. Hmm. Uh, never thought about it. 
really with purpose. You know, I keep coming back to that word. Um, but shortly after I got home from the hospital, it was like an overwhelming sense of passion and drive and motivation to do that. I was like, I want to be a labor and delivery nurse. Um, I wasn't seeking that out. It was put, it was put on my heart. And I do believe it was fully put on my heart by Maylee, um, that her purpose was to be here just long enough to give me this passion and to direct me in this path, um, to change my entire life plan to do this. So literally in two months after she was born, I enrolled in school and started all the process to get into nursing school, um, got into nursing school and graduated. And here I am doing it. I am working full time as wow. a delivery nurse at the very hospital she was born at, um, which seems so surreal to be there and to do that. I'm like, how, how did that happen so fast? Like, how am I already here? How did four years go by? And how did I get this amazing job? <laughs> right. You know, and the ironic thing about this whole circumstancing stances coming full circle is that my nurse that helped deliver Maylee could not have been more amazing. Um, truly was the most touching, caring woman I could have had in my, you know, taking care of me that day. Um, and it just so happens she was the hiring manager <gasps> by the time I was wow. applying for jobs, you know, and to sit across from her. And she knows why my heart's in this. And it meant so much for her to see me have put all that pain into purpose and to be there. And she knows that I will be someone special for another patient that is going through this very thing. You know, I'm going to use my circumstances to some extent, but also just, you know, you have to have a special heart and not let yourself be too callous to feel the pain of the loss of a child, you know, and it takes a special person to open themselves up to care for that kind of patient because it is hard. It is hard on the staff, just as hard as it is on the parents and I am, I'm ready. You know, I haven't experienced a patient that has had a loss yet. Um, but I'm ready for that moment. And I really hope I can also guide them and kind of the, you know, you know, stomping through the mud that you're in trying mm -hmm. to get through all those emotions and tragedy to, to make sense of it all and to come out with a better sense of what just happened, you know, and how to get, get over it. Now you, you don't really ever get over it. So it's more how to live with it. Find your new normal because you never heal. You never get over the loss of a child. You just learn to live with it and with that pain. And ultimately a lot of times you can find purpose in that pain. And that's what I try to do. Is that, is that kind of your advice for moms who are, who are experiencing this as a way to pull themselves out just to find some kind of purpose? Yeah, if you can, of course, there's, you know, you have to look deep and you have to allow yourself to hurt because if you bury these feelings, um, you, you're ultimately probably just creating more pain because mm -hmm. it's, you have every right to be upset. You have every right to have bad days and, and to take as long as you need to cope with your loss. But, you know, allow that baby to be a part of your life. Don't you know, feel like you can't talk about them. 
because I know I think about Maylee every single day. Um, and a lot of people are surprised that still four years later, I think of her every time, you know, multiple times throughout the day, every day. And I compared it. I'm like, you know, she's one of my children. And I, I do mm -hmm. think of her just as often as I do the other ones. Um, and some people are surprised. They're like, oh, wow, I'm surprised you still think of her every day. And I find that kind of surprising because, you know, she, I mean, she is one of my children. Like, I can't really describe it any other way. And I will never hide her. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't really worry about her story affecting other people so much in a negative way because it does make people uncomfortable. We know that miscarriage, infant loss, you know, children that pass away are hard to talk about. Um, but don't worry about other people's feelings. Only worry about your own. Do what feels right. And that is different for everybody. You know, what worked for me may not work for somebody else, but trying to get over that awkward sensation that I have to hide her has mm -hmm. helped tremendously. Um, a simple example is people ask, how many children do I have? Um, the answer is four. And I simply say, I have four children, three living. Mm. Does get that sympathetic, oh, I'm so sorry. And the the head tilt like, oh, mm -hmm. you, know, <laughs> you know, those automatic feelings when you hear something, you don't really know what to say. And I do oh. put people in an awkward spot because they don't know what to say. And that's okay. I don't expect them to say the right things, but I don't worry about that. That's not my problem their emotions are not my problem. I just want to do is feel right for me at that moment. And to acknowledge her life always feels right because I would feel guilty not in saying that she was one of my children. Well, and, and to, to be authentic like that, I think opens everyone else up to be authentic as well. To say, hey, this happened to me. I, I live with it every single day. You know, this is part of my life. And I'm not ashamed of that. Mm -hmm. That is such a powerful thing to do as a woman, as a mom. And I just, I mean, I hear something like that and I'm like, yes, like that's how I want to be too. You know, I want to be strong like that too. You know, and it's, it is, it is so encouraging to me when I see women like you who are, who have gone through something so incredibly hard, survived it, had grace throughout the whole thing, and then have taken that terribly traumatic, painful moment and then have turned it into a purpose. And you're now helping other women who, and you know, going through labor and delivery. And then one day you'll, you'll impact a woman's life who went through what you went through. I'm sure of it. And you'll help her in ways that you don't even know yet. You know, I already see that. And so it's just, it's incredible. And I just, I, I, I see it and I'm in awe of you and I think you're amazing. Um, and to keep, you know, spreading this message is, is so important. Um, and in those moments where you have those conversations with people and you tell them this and it's like, they're like, oh my God, I don't know how to react to this. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what would be some good advice for them to, to be able to say something, whether it's to you or whether it's to a family member, you know, that their family member went through this. Like, what do you, what's a proper, what's a decent human thing to say to somebody who's going through this? Yeah. Well, you know, I get a lot of kind of, you know, generic responses. Um, uh, well, so glad you had more children afterwards or, mm -hmm. you know, immediately after a lot of people said everything in life happens for a reason, or, you know, you hear things like that all the time, or you can try again and kind of mm -hmm. those 
empty generic comments that you feel like society has told you to say are ultimately meaningless and sometimes hurtful. Um, at that moment, I didn't care about having more children. I didn't care, you know, what people said as far as, well, at least, you know, there was nothing wrong with her. <laughs> so you don't think there's something genetic, which to me was worse mm-hmm. because I'm like, well, there wasn't anything wrong with her. So why did she die? Mm-hmm. Um, so some of those comments ended up being very hurtful. Um, what really is helpful from my friends is just remembering her, saying her name, not being too, you know, concerned about upsetting me to where they don't want to mention her. Um, you don't have to worry about upsetting the mom or reminding her of that baby. She thinks of that baby every day. So by co- coming up to me and saying Maylee's name, I appreciate that because mm-hmm. it gives me validation that you're acknowledging her life and her importance to me. And that means the most. Um, don't ever be shy to say, hey, you know, you, I know you had a baby that you lost. Can you talk about her? Because it may be difficult. It may upset the mom. She may cry talking about her or him, but ultimately it feels good. It feels good to know there's a safe space to do that. And that, you know, you have a friend or family member welcoming, you know, you to to openly talk about however you feel necessary. Um, It may be just a few little information or it may be the whole story again and again, just let them do that because that's what really ultimately helps that mother or father really let what happens sink in and to feel like, okay, I know I can talk about it and it's not some thing that happened that I can never speak of again, because ultimately I feel like that kind of prolongs that trauma. Wow. Has your family supported um, how outspoken you've been about the story? They have, you know, I, I, it's still a learning process. You know, I still find people who are very close to me in my family um, are uncomfortable bringing it up. And that was something that just occurred on her birthday, which was uh, this week. And I had close members not acknowledge it and they were too scared to bring it up. They were, they just didn't feel like they could. And I understand and I always respect that they're learning too. So I do have to always kind of provide guidance from it. They were kind of waiting for me to mention it first that it was her birthday I'm like well of course I know it's her birthday you know (laughs) I dread that day every year Mm -hmm. um and then when it's over you just kind of feel like okay I got through another one um so it's still a learning process for us all and to know what's right you know there there is no textbook answer unfortunately but they are supportive they they understand that it was something we were deeply affected by and ultimately they were too you know, Mm -hmm. family come in and hold her and meet her as well. And they remember her, you know, and were affected by her birth as well. So, I mean, that little baby can affect hundreds of people ultimately if you allow them to. And sometimes it's for a positive light. And I feel like Maylee has had that effect on so many people and it makes me proud to be her mom. Hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. So what, what's your core message then for anyone listening to this um, who may know you or may not know you who has been affected by child loss? What would you like them to take away? Try to focus on the beauty of that child's life. Um, you have to look hard through the pain and through the tragedy, but there is beauty in it and there is purpose in it. And let yourself be affected by it. Let 
let yourself feel the pain and be changed by it. Um, and let yourself remember that baby every day and love that baby and find a new normal that includes them. I try to surround myself with tangible items um, that keep her close to me. I wear a necklace that has an angel wing on it every day and also has all four of my children's name on it. And, you know, I keep her picture on my dresser. So I'm, I don't ever feel like her memory is getting too dead. I like to keep it close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I am not ashamed of that. So I won't let society tell me I have to forget her. So I just keep it as open and as out there as I can. And I'll be honest, it doesn't always feel natural to do that. Um, I second guess myself. I'm like, you know, am I this oddball that can't get over the situation? Am I the only one that really hangs on to her memory as much? Or should I be burying, burying it down and never think of it again? And ultimately, I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to let the taboo nature behind the topic of infant loss make me forget my daughter, which, you know, I, w- I wouldn't anyways. I know a lot of family members who also lost children, you know, 25, 30 years ago, and they even say they still think of that baby every day. Mm-hmm. I know I'm only at the beginning of this journey, so I will never let, you know, other people's perspectives kind of guide how I feel. I'm going to feel how I feel, and I'm going to act how I feel is appropriate. And, you know, everybody's a parent in their own way with living children. So I feel like you can do the same with your deceased children as well and find how you feel is appropriate to include them in your life. Because like I said, every baby has purpose and doesn't matter if they live with you, they're, you know, they live to be 80 years old, or if they live just a few weeks, that life had a purpose and you just have to search for it and let yourself be affected by it. Um, and find beauty in it because I did feel such a sense of peace and beauty on Maylie's birthday. And I was upset. I cried the whole day too, but um, Mm -hmm. down there was such a sense of calm and peace knowing what I had to do to deliver her and just to love her. That's all I had to do. And it was ultimately not hard when it came down to that was my mother's job you know my job as a mother was to deliver her with dignity and I did it and I loved her and I still do and I'm proud of it I'm proud to be her mom and I always will be well you are such a light but just it's amazing to talk to you I mean anyone who listens to this is going to get so much out of it whether they're affected by this or not just to know a person like you is is an honor um and so for the final question which is a question I ask all of my guests on the show Um, as a way to round out the interview and you know it can be about what we've talked about or it can be about anything in life and what's something that you've learned um, that you wish someone would have told you earlier you know being a parent and a mother of a child that you lost it you never heal from it people will say time heals all you know you, you don't really ever heal you just you know you just learn the new normal from that tragedy and that was kind of something that I just had to accept that the pain is always kind of going to be there to some extent. And it's always going to be a sensitive subject for me, but I've learned to just be okay with that. And it changes you forever and it can change you for the better if you let it. Um, And I just want other people to understand that there is no timeline on when you should be over it because you're not going to be over it ever. Um, so when you feel pressure from friends, family, or society saying, 
you should be okay by now. You should not be upset over what happened anymore. Um, it's just so false. This baby's life was something. It, they don't just disappear after they die. Um, they're forever going to be a part of your life. And, you know, accept that and um, acknowledge it and love it. You know, I just had to kind of find a ways to incorporate her um, that kind of bring her memory to life and also um, keep her as a part of us as we can. And also just kind of move forward, you know, try to accept the tragedy for what it is and, and move forward to where I'm finding positivity in it, you know, finding a way to move on to some extent because I can't just dwell on the tragedy. So instead I just find the beauty in her life and try not to have all the moments of the negative feelings and memories of her birth, um, which were just traumatic. They are, um, and just move forward with the beauty of it instead. I know that's kind of hard to probably make sense to some extent, but you know, it's the only way I can describe it is mm -hmm. in the pain, you know? Yeah. Well, you've done an amazing job and, and that, that core essence of you shines through. I mean, it's why I reached out to you. It's why I felt comfortable enough to reach out to you. We haven't talked a ton since we met years ago. We've just kind of, you know, known each other through Facebook, but there's just something that you emit to the world is it is a light. It is a positivity through the darkness, through the pain and for you to be able to balance both so beautifully is just, uh, it's just an amazing thing. So yeah. I feel like Maylee taught me that life isn't about my own plans. Um, kind of how I started the whole thing is I had my plan to have two children, be a stay at home mom. And here I am. I have four children, including Maylee and I'm a full-time nurse, <laughs> <laughs> which is one of the hardest jobs in the world. So, and I'm loving it, you know, and wow. I love the chaos in it because it's just, it keeps life interesting. So I had my own plan, but I think the one I was given is ultimately much better. And I'm, I'm loving what I get to do every day. Wow. That's amazing. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> so if people who are going through this want to reach out or have any questions for you, how can they find you? If they can just find me on Facebook, I'm always open on the messenger there. You can just search my name. Um, and I'm always open to lend an ear if you just need to talk about it or talk about your baby and you don't feel like you can find that safe space to do so. Um, or just questions on what happens when you've lost a child and you have to deliver them and what all the steps of that are and what to expect. Because some people want to know you know, ultimately how that happens and how it occurs and what to expect. And there, there are no questions. They're off limits with me. I will do anything I can to help just from my experience. Um, obviously it's not the golden rule, but mm -hmm. I feel just having a safe place to answer questions and talk about things. I'm always available for that. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Morgan. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for being the person that you are. Um, just thank you for everything. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course.